Welcome to Gray Maybe, a limited series podcast and social experiment based on this season's topic, grief. My name is Jillian Schmitz. I'm a professional dancer, actor, teacher, author, artist, and cat lover. Through my own personal journey of recovery, I found that things aren't just black or white or a simple yes or no. For me, in my recovery, there has been mostly gray area and a lot of maybes. In most of my stories, you can find the gray maybe. I'll be sharing my own process through personal stories and interviews with others in an effort to help investigate the process of and recovery through grief. If you'd like to share your story, please email graymaybestories at gmail.com. G-R-E-Y-M-A-Y-B-E-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at gmail.com. Before we get started, if you haven't already, please subscribe on whichever platform you're using to catch future episodes of Gray Maybe. A note before we start. My stories and the stories of others on this podcast are told through the lens of our own experience. The revelation of our process is ours to tell. If you disagree with the views or stories on this podcast, know that we are not speaking on anything other than our own experiences and viewpoints. Take what you like and leave the rest. Nothing expressed or mentioned in this podcast is an endorsement or is meant to be taken as advice. It is strictly the sharing of our own experiences and recovery. Any feelings this podcast activates in the listener is for the listener to process and recover from. Any criticism you have based on these experiences and choices are yours, and they are not anyone else's burden to carry. Reflecting on the third season and asking other people about their journeys has helped me process mine. There were differences, of course. I didn't lose my day-to-day best friend, lover, and expected future like Julie Schmidt did with her late husband or Melissa Adelia Callistans did with her brother and last surviving family member and confidant. I wasn't my father's caretaker day in and out like Ramon Ray Del Barrio had been for his own father and for many very lucky others. I didn't talk to my dad every day or even that often. I mentioned a bit this season my relationship with my dad was complicated. I spent a good deal of time while he was alive trying to figure out how to navigate it better. Then towards the end, I spent a good amount of time accepting what the relationship was, keeping my side of the street as clean as I could, and grieving the relationship I wished I would have had. Although my situation continues to be much different than a lot of my guests, digesting the contrast still helped me work through it. To me, my grief was much more tolerable than I feel like many of my guests had experienced. I wasn't anywhere near as close with my dad as Abby Puananis was with her best friend and mom. I didn't have the friendship and intimacy Terry Yates had with her mom, or the loss of that constant support Kara Lidberg had with her mom's passing. I haven't felt the weight of what it's like to lose the excitement of a million expected dreams and moments like sweet Mia Andrioli did when she lost her daughter, Rosalie. My dad's death was not a shock like Kara Lidberg's dad, or Julie Schmidt's mom, or traumatic like the passing of Melissa Adelia Calisan's beloved neighbor. I had time to slowly process the unavoidable truth that every time I saw my dad the last few years, 
his body was quickly shutting down. I think I'm most related to Misha Kussman's experiences with her father and recent loss of her mother. Her feelings and experiences mirrored my own. Jada Ellingham's expertise helped give me, personally, the validation that grief can indeed be complicated, conflicted, and also sometimes a relief. I didn't know much about the funeral business or know anyone personally who was a funeral director previous, but now I do. I wish I had known Benny Kapal before the death of my father, just to have another person in my circle and support system. Benny not only gets it, he lives it. In discussing the wrap-up of this season with my producer Roderick, he and I discussed what we may have missed or what we should maybe try and still get. We didn't set out to represent every unique loss, and some people I reached out to didn't feel ready. There were also people I knew who had recent loss, fresh. But I couldn't bear to ask them. I was too overcome with my own ideas about how others might be digesting grief. I didn't want to be burdensome, a bother, or insensitive. I don't know if that was the right thing to do or not. There was a reason why the people I had on have had some distance and or time. Recovery of anything is a process and usually a day-by-day, one-day-at-a-time, ongoing one. If you're waiting to arrive back to normal post-grief, I don't know if that exists. And although that may sound scary or depressing, I think the guests I had on this season have shown through their own experience there is hope. I also want to highlight that we didn't represent every single type of loss. There were many references on many of the episodes about ambiguous loss, but I want to take a moment to recognize everyday losses that people might be going through that are listening. Job loss, relationship loss, specifically long-term relationship or divorce, loss of the self, loss of income, loss of security, loss of youth, loss of health, loss of a dream or goal, loss of expectations, loss of peace, loss of sanity, loss of happiness, loss of freedom. Whatever you may be grieving in this moment, I hope you can give yourself some time and grace to slowly find your way through it. Please don't do so in isolation. Find your people and or resources and please know whatever you're feeling, you're not alone. In closing, it felt appropriate to end with a tribute to my late father, so I've included the eulogy I wrote and delivered at my dad's funeral. Remembering Dad, written by his daughter Jillian. Grief, I've learned, is really just love. It's all the love you want to give, but cannot. All that unspent love gathers up in the corners of your eyes, the lump in your throat, and in that hollow part of your chest. Grief is just love with no place to go. Jamie Anderson The smell of a fireplace burning will always remind me of winter nights with my dad. My mom would head to night school, and while my brother Aaron was fast asleep, my dad and I watched his favorite shows, Moonlighting and Sledgehammer. But his favorite was a brand new show called Cheers. 
By the time Cheers theme song echoed throughout the downstairs family room with, you want to go where everybody knows your name, we both knew it was way past my bedtime. Every time we'd watch Cheers, he'd say, I know all those guys. My dad always found time to play catch or teach my brother and I how to hit baseballs. Keep your eye on the ball, he would repeat, in between praise. Every time I locked my eyes on the ball, I hit it. Every time I lost focus, I didn't. My dad became our pitcher on hot summer evenings, playing baseball with all the neighborhood kids in the cul-de-sac. Not everyone in the neighborhood had a father, or one that paid them good attention. In those moments, everyone got to have a dad who encouraged them to keep your eye on the ball. I often referred to my first dance recital as my first fix of a lifetime addiction to performing. This may be in part to the excitement my dad showed. He reminisced over and over about the crowd going wild when my dance class took the stage. We danced to Sugar Shack, a song he knew and loved, and the whole ride home, and for a long time after, he couldn't stop talking about it. Even at the age of eight, I knew my dad was a very discerning person. If he thought something was good, it was. His enthusiasm made all the difference. Baseball was always a backdrop in my family. Most of my memories of summer include the subtle murmur of baseball games playing on the radio or TV in the background. In 1991, the Twins won the World Series, and Aaron and I jumped up and down giddily celebrating while my dad yelled over and over again, Kirby Puckett! Just like the announcer. The moment signified something special. The feeling that the little guy won. My dad loved an underdog. I think he saw himself as a bit of one. Although to me, and probably everyone else who knows him, he never seemed like an underdog. He was the favorite. My dad had no problem expressing himself. If he was mad, you knew it. If he felt cheated, you knew it. If he saw an injustice, we'd all hear about it. As a natural jack-of-all-trades fixer of all things, he knew better than anyone that a squeaky wheel got the oil. In moments of advocacy for those he loved, he didn't care what anyone thought or how he was perceived. My brother and I, when we were young, had a hard time understanding how someone could get angry about things that seemed so innocuous. Now that we're older, I think we understand a little more why. His passion fueled his expression, and it was due to how deeply sensitive he was. My dad and I didn't always see eye to eye. At one point, it seemed like we might not be able to agree on what was best for me. I knew he wanted the best for me, and I knew I had found the best, but he was not convinced. This was one of those defining moments in a family, a circumstance that could cause a fracture or a break that could become unmendable. After a conversation with my mom, he relented and, in doing so, showed me that his love for me was greater than any of his fears. My partner Stefana said to me, the only things we take with us when we go, and the only things we leave behind, are our memories. My memories of my father remind me that people want to be seen, so treat everyone like you know them. Keep your eye on the ball. If you focus on anything hard enough, you'll hit a home run. A little sugar goes a long way. Encourage people. The more enthusiastic, the better. Be the squeaky wheel if you need oil. Anger is a secondary emotion. That first emotion is usually hurt. Let people underestimate you as an underdog. The win will be that much sweeter. And most importantly, I'm reminded by my dad that love does conquer all.
If you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you were able to find something relatable in today's episode. If you'd like to show your support for this podcast, consider making a donation on Spotify. It would also be very helpful if you could rate, share, comment, and subscribe. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please email graymaybestories at gmail.com. G-R-E-Y-M-A-Y-B-E-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone who helped make this Gray Maybe podcast happen. Producer and editor, Roderick Barge. Cover photo by Jose Perez. Music licensed by Pixabay. Special counsel, Jada Ellingham and Roderick Barge. Special shout out to supporter, Patty Olgan. Until next time, bye for now.